Oh, great. Had to be the fossil. Okay, so Pastor Jonathan is in Scotland at a conference with some of the great spiritual minds of our generation, learning how to be a better pastor to you. So you're stuck with the curmudgeon. It's my spiritual gift. Can we start over? Hey, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Whether you're joining us on each of our three campuses or online, we're delighted to have you in this worship service with us as we talk about miracles. We are in the middle of a series on miracles. Next week will be our last message on miracles. But we've been talking about the fact that miracles are an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention into human affairs. And we've seen how Jesus used his miracles to be able to remind us of his power and his presence in our life. Today we're going to look at how Jesus adjusted to a crisis in the lives of the disciples. We saw two weeks ago how he raised Lazarus from the dead, and Pastor Jonathan talked about that there was a purpose behind that miracle, and there is in this one that we're talking about today. The Bible was talking about, uh, in setting this up, let me tell you what the Bible had been talking about. Jesus had just been teaching to thousands of people on top of a mountain, a little mountain, and we call that the Sermon on the Mount. And he'd been teaching there to those people about the core of our Christian faith. If you look at Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you'll see that great sermon where he taught about what it means to be a Christian a Christ follower. And after that brilliant truth, there's a series of miracles that happen. Jesus is healing people with leprosy. He is speaking healing to a Roman soldier's servant. He is healing Peter's mother-in-law. And many of you are praying for that miracle to happen to you. Your own mother-in-law needs to be healed. Then he heals a demon-possessed person, which is probably what your mother-in-law thinks about you. (laughs) After all of those miracles comes this story. After that credible teaching comes this story. He sent his disciples out from the midst of all of the people to go find a boat to take them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Basically, now this is fascinating, Jesus is setting boundaries with people. (gasps) Jesus is setting boundaries with people. Jesus didn't heal everybody. No, he didn't. Now, that's a lesson for another day. But that's a truth. And so in the midst of this story, after all that they had heard And all that they had witnessed about the power of Jesus comes this story of a storm where everything that he's taught and everything that he's done is now put into action. I want you to see it with me. In Mark's gospel, it says this, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus into the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. 
high winds were breaking into the boat. A high waves, and I guess the winds don't break into the boat, they break the boat. But the waves are breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. We are visual people. I'm a visual learner. As a matter of fact, the number two website on the internet is YouTube, right behind the summitchurch.net. <laughs> we have to see things in order to believe them. And so that's why our favorite phrase is, let me see, let me see. And we go to YouTube and look for it. So I want to give you a visual of this event in Jesus' life. We're actually going to look at it. Now, it's not YouTube, but it is a painting. <laughs> this is old school. Rembrandt painted this painting in 1633. It's called Christ on the Sea of Galilee. Do you see how beautiful that painting is? And the artist has such a way with light and dark contrast. That's one of the signs that that's a Rembrandt painting. That actual painting was stolen 28 years ago in a museum in Boston, and nobody has found it yet. So if it's in your basement, we're coming for you. <laughs> but I want you to look at the activities of the disciples on this boat. It's fascinating to watch. Look at this first picture. Here they are in the front of the boat, and they're struggling with the storm. Do you see? They're trying to tie off the mast. They're trying to bring in the sails so that it doesn't rip and tear the boat apart. One is straining at the oars, and meanwhile, the water's splashing in their face. This is a crisis if you're a fisherman. In the midst of this crisis is a second picture. And I want you to see in the middle of the boat, you can barely tell. But that is actually a drawing of Rembrandt himself, self-painted into this event. He's holding on to his hat. He's holding on to a rope. It's fascinating to me. Maybe he's had an experience like this storm in his life that caused him to paint himself in the boat with the disciples. And in all truth, that's exactly what happened. Three of his four children have died. His wife has died. His mother has died, and he's just faced bankruptcy at 33 years old. He sees himself in that crisis on that boat with Jesus. That's fascinating to me how one of the greatest painters of all time, the great master Rembrandt, sees his own life as being in a sea of turmoil. 
And then there's a third picture I want to give you, and that is actually Rembrandt had this divine inspiration of painting me in the back of the boat. You see the guy hurling over the edge of the boat? <laughs> Losing his lunch of two fish and five loaves of bread? That's me. People have different ways of dealing with crisis and turmoil in their lives. A million different reactions to crisis when it happens to us. Some people are very brave and seize the moment. Some quake with anxiety and are filled with depression and fear. Some detach and hide. Some puke. Regardless of all of those reactions to stress, when there is a storm in our life, there is a common denominator in all storms. And it is this. Storms bring change in our life. Whatever storm you may be encountering today, it is bringing change into your life. Man, I don't like change. Let me on a little secret. No one does. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Ike, seriously, I love change. I like to mix it up. I like it when things are different. Good for you, my delusional friend. We all might like change, but I'm not talking about that kind of change. I'm talking about a storm in your life where the bottom falls out, where we don't like chaos, where our hearts feel broken, where we feel painful losses. That's the storm that I'm talking about, and none of us like it. Perhaps you're in that boat right now in your life. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your marriage is crumbling. Maybe you have a terrorizing health challenge that you're facing in your life. Maybe a loved one has died. It might be that some secret addiction in your life has surfaced and is causing great pain to everybody in your life. We don't like it when our boat takes on water and we're threatened. And we're powerless. We don't like change. But I want to show you something. In Genesis chapter 8, the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. God is the author of, of change. He instituted it. Things don't say the same. Seasons don't change. Seasons change. Things are different. Change is inevitable in our lives. There is no growth without change. There is no change without loss. There is no loss without grief. There is no grief without pain. That's what we fear. That kind of change. Every beginning has an ending of some kind, and every ending has a beginning. Hey, the Bible makes this clear. We are either in one problem, have just ended a problem, or we're getting ready to go into a problem. 
change happens to us in our life, and it comes in three ways. It comes by change, consequences, or circumstances that we face. You think about that. Sometimes change happens when we make choices, choices in our life, and those choices are what create change. Now, fascinating, we don't mind that at all because it's us that are in control of those choices. So we don't mind that change. Things like, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go to college. I'm getting married. We make choices in our lives. Some are very good. Some are bad and have consequences. And speaking of consequences, because we are human and live in this world that is falling apart, it's not heaven yet. We live in a broken and fallen world. Consequences of that broken world we face every day. Your phone doesn't work. The computer dies. The internet is not working. Are you kidding me? Our refrigerator does not make ice. The car is broken. We don't like the consequences sometimes of a fallen world because it brings change into our life. But today I want to talk about this fact. Sometimes circumstances bring change in our life, and we don't like that. So what we're talking about today. Rogue winds sometimes come up on the sea. Hurricanes form in the Caribbean. Recessions happen. People die. Relationships become frustrating and fall apart. Circumstances that we face sometimes in our life bring change. And we don't know that they're coming. So we don't like it. We have no control over them. Sometimes change is good. Sometimes change is, helps us grow. We stretch. We develop. We become better people because we go through change. But sometimes when circumstances like a storm rise up in our life, we feel overwhelmed. We begin seeing pain coming for us. And what do we do when we suffer? We don't like it. But it's sometimes inevitable for us, pain and suffering in our lives. We go through all of this crisis and all of these struggles and all of these storms. We are all hurt by it. What do we do in the middle of the storm? I want to suggest two things to you. We either survive the storm or we thrive in the storm. Most of us know how to do the first Survive the storm. You know what we call that? 911 alert. Our fight or flight reflex becomes activated in us and we immediately go into survival mode. It's fascinating how it happens. Survival is one of the basic instincts that we have as human beings. We do what we know how to do to get over it, to get over the crisis. We take control of the problem, we think. We deny our powerlessness, we think. 
We set into motion plans to restore our lives to the way it was before the storm hit. We begin a frantic quest to solve the problem. We kick our brains into gear to come up with a solution. And every asset we can summon from every experience we've had in our past to be able to survive the storm, we go to work out of self-preservation to try to survive. We do everything we can to avoid the pain. The problem is, sometimes we have no control over things. Sometimes events happen in our lives that bring deep, dark experiences. And we are weak and vulnerable and powerless. The disciples were none the different. Many of them were seasoned fishermen, like Peter. They'd been living their life with a lifestyle of fishing. They knew the Sea of Galilee, where they fished. They were aware of everything about the sea, the mountains that surrounded it, and how quickly storms rose up in the sea. Interesting now, listen to me. This passage of Scripture never says anything about them being aware that there was a storm. How could they miss the signs that there was a storm coming? They were professionals. How could they miss it? And yet they did. And like the painting shows, they are now in survival mode trying to survive. They did not see it coming. How sad. But there was one in the boat who saw it coming. He counted on it coming. He allowed it to come. Jesus is God. And being God, he took them right into the middle of a storm. It was his plan all along, he intended to show them how to thrive in the storm. And why is that? Because storms obey Jesus. He made them. When I was a little boy, I went to see my nanny every Friday night. Spent the night at nanny's house eating trout and grits. It was what put this on the big boy. <laughs> and my nanny loved me, and she was a saint. When it was cold at night, she would take a brick, put it in a fireplace, wrap it in a towel, put it in the bottom of my bed. Oh, my goodness. The bed became warm, and I got in all night long. That brick heated my bed. Don't do that. It'll catch your bed on fire. Don't do that. <laughs> my nanny taught me to love Jesus, she and my mom. And I remember one night there being a bad storm on a Friday night at her house, and she opened up her Bible and showed me a verse of Scripture, and I've never forgotten it. I want to share it with you right now. Look at what the Old Testament says in Nahum chapter 1. 
The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. So sitting on that front porch, rocking in the middle of a huge thunderstorm, every time that little boy cringed, she would say, honey, that's just dust falling off his feet. He's got us. We're okay. And even now at 64 years old, I can't tell you how many times I go out on the back porch in the middle of a thunderstorm and watch God. No longer afraid. Because he is the master, the storm whisperer. Thriving in storms means that we give up our feeble efforts to try to control everything and we call out to Jesus and start trusting Jesus. That's how we thrive. I want to show you this truth. One of the great truths of the Bible is what threatens to be over our heads is already under his feet so we can trust him. If he's the creator of the storm, if he's the storm whisperer, if he's the master of the storm, he's got you. It's under his feet. It's the dust off his feet. He's got you. He wants you to follow him and know his message. Surviving is about focusing on what I can do. Thriving is learning to look to Jesus. Instead of me, letting him have control. Oh, how hard is that? It is hard. Because self-preservation, we are taught from the moment we're children to try to survive. But your lessons of faith are always about yielding and surrendering and trusting when you don't have the power and letting him lead your life. The disciples were so much like us. When the storm started, they started relying on their own strength trying to tie off the mass. They went to work on the sails, immediately began straining at the oars, started bailing out the water. And here's my question. At what point in all of that frantic effort, at what point did they realize that the creator of the storm, that the only one that could save them, was asleep on a cushion in their boat. <laughs> Duh. Dumb disciples. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't that what we do? <laughs> Don't we whine like them? Don't we say, this is terrible, this is so bad, this sucks. Why doesn't Jesus come and help me? Where is God? <laughs> Christmas idea for me, from you. I want a t-shirt that says, Stop Global Whining. <laughs> Needs to be large. 
We're just like them. Where was he? Right there in the boat with them. When we feel victimized by storms and crisis and trouble and trials in our life, where is he? Right there in the boat with you. He is there in your storm. He's with you in every circumstance of your life. So what did the disciples do when they realized it? They did what we need to do. They called out. Um, Lord, excuse me, but we're in trouble. We need some help. Can you get up, please? You do it any way you want to. You call out to him. I want you to watch what Jesus said. Look at what the scripture says about this. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the disciples. <laughs> no, doesn't say that. He didn't say, you dummies. He did not say, well, I'm just going to sit here on this cushion and watch you guys learn your lesson. <laughs> scripture doesn't say that. It says he rebuked the wind because he was the creator of the wind. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Do you know what that word means? Smooth as glass. All of a sudden, the storm that threatened their lives was now as smooth as glass and everything was quiet. Quiet. And Jesus said, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Over and over he had illustrated to them that he has the power to change their lives. Over and over through your life, through the lessons you've learned, through the experiences of your life, you've been there. He has calmed your storms. After all you've seen me do, after all you've heard me teach, are you still not aware of what I can do for you? And here comes the greatest lesson of this miracle. You have to see this. I want you to see that I've got to let go of what I am, my own strength, in order to trust who he is in me. That is the truth. That's our growing point, folks. That's where the rubber meets the road in our faith experience. What storm are we still trying to solve by our own efforts and our own streaks rather than trusting the one who is in the boat with us? When you start seeing who he is instead of the storm, the sea will become glass. When you start stopping 
seen the darkness and seen the light of his presence in your life, the winds will stop howling. Your brightest insights as a Christian come in your darkest times where you have to trust him. He wants you to trust him in your storm. Now I want to show you one final thing before we go. And that is the truth of this throughout the Bible. I have to let go of who I am in order to know who he is. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Encouraging, tremendous words from Paul. Inside those phrases are a secret. It's a tiny, tiny little secret. But it's oh so powerful when you see it. It's the commas. The commas. It's Jesus in your boat. I want to show you. Look at this. Here's the storms. Here is Jesus in your boat. Here's the victories in the middle of the storm. You're going to have storms in your life where you are pressed. But take courage. He is in your boat with you. You will not be crushed. You're going to have storms in your life where you are perplexed and depressed and anxious and you don't know what to do. He is in your boat with you in those times and you will not be driven to despair. Oh, dear friends, listen. There are times when you're going to be hunted down and you feel like nobody is your resource. You don't have any assets, no support. There is someone in the boat with you, his comma is there. Even though you may be hunted down, you will never be abandoned. He is with you. And when the times happen in our life and the storms, we get knocked down. He is in the boat with you. You are not destroyed. He is with us. I've got to let go of what I am in order to trust who he is. So how are you doing in your storms? Are you trying to survive by your own efforts? And you're knocked around in all places? Living in your own powerlessness, your own weakness? Are you ready to call out to the one who is on the cushion in your boat. Are you ready to have him invited into your problem and let him bring healing in your life? See, the miracle is recognizing who he is and where he is. He is right there with you. In a few moments, you're going to be dismissed and there are going to be life care representatives in the dark blue shirts in our lobbies, out on our patios, that are willing to pray with you about the storms that you're facing.
Go pray with them. If you're online, Pastor James and other counselors are there online waiting to pray with you. You can just type them a note, say, I need you to pray for me. Folks, you're not alone. He is with you in all things, and he's God over your storms. He calms them. Let's pray. Jesus, how amazing you are. Your disciples saw it. And the threatening storm, the truth of the fact that you could calm them is just as threatening to them. They were amazed. And we stand in the presence of that same God today ready to hush our pain, ready to speak and calm our storms, ready, waiting for us to call, waiting for us to grow in our faith by trusting. God, enrich our lives today by this miracle that you want to do in us. We love you. And we pray in your name. Amen.